0: industrial marketing friends from Gorilla76, the industrial marketing agency. This is the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. We are your hosts, Brendan and Aaron. Here at Gorilla76, you know, we've built our fair share of paid social media audiences. That's a nice Uh, way to put it.
1: Yeah, just our fair share. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And most of those are for extremely niche ideal customer profiles. So, like, for example, think machinery manufacturers that specifically serve the food and beverage industry or something similar. Um, So these niche audiences, they may be easy to identify and define within your company. Um, That's an easy enough sentence to say, right? Machinery manufacturers within food and beverage But when you actually get into the filters and targeting offered in platforms like LinkedIn or Facebook, it can be really tricky to replicate that audience without also capturing a lot of junk. Mm -hmm. So today we'll be diving into some alternative audience building methods that have helped us reach the exact right people for these super niche industrial audiences. So... Brendan, why don't we start out by just kind of talking about what sort of targeting and filters are even available on a platform like LinkedIn or Facebook?
1: Yeah. So let's talk about LinkedIn first. LinkedIn's great. Love LinkedIn. We do a lot of campaigns out of LinkedIn and LinkedIn just has really good first party data about where people currently are. Right. Because people use LinkedIn as their digital resume. So it behooves people to keep their digital resume updated by putting in their job title, the company that they work with, the things that they do at their work, keeping their skills updated, you know, being a part of groups to learn and get better at your job. Um, So with LinkedIn, um, first off, there's a lot of personal ones, right? So we talked about like job titles, um, which then LinkedIn will categorize into job functions. There's the skills that you identify yourself, right? Like I'm good at leadership or I'm good at digital marketing or I'm good at uh, mechanical engineering. You know, you put that as your skill on there. Um, You might join groups, right? I think I I'm in a digital marketing group and I think I'm in like an AI for marketing group, but there's like groups for literally everything on LinkedIn. Not that they're active and that there's like any valuable things within the groups, but like you self identify yourself, like, Oh, maybe there might be something interesting in here. So those are some like, on the, on the personal side the main ones that are out there, but there's also some demographics, right? Like age, um, you know, seniority of your job level, how long you've been at your company. So there's just a ton of like personal information that you freely give to LinkedIn that advertisers like myself and Aaron use to find the audiences that we build. Um, So that's, that's, LinkedIn gives you a lot of interesting things on the first party side. When you're looking at Facebook, not great targeting for specifically for B2B, like on the job side. You know, I, I don't know if I, have I don't remember the last time I updated my job in Facebook, um, but Facebook has started to add in some B2B type targeting, like you would see on LinkedIn. Um, it's pretty rough. I think I haven't really done any native Facebook targeting. Uh, we typically use third party tools to help us build out audiences uh, on Facebook. And as Facebook, I think is kind of going that direction anyway. So I don't, Aaron, do you have any like specific tips on like native targeting within Facebook or what you can get? Like, you know, it's like age, um, you know, a lot of demographic type beha- data you know, behaviors and then like some of your interests. Right. So you might be able to get some that's interested in mechanical engineering, but that person might not be a mechanical engineer. So that's kind of the thing with Facebook. Yeah. That's a little more difficult.
0: Yeah, exactly. The, the best tip I've gotten for native targeting on Facebook, if it's something you want to test out, is to have like a very specific, um, combination of interests. So like somebody could be interested in mechanical engineering and not be a mechanical engineer, but if they're interested in that, and then also like machinery manufacturing, well, that's more likely to be somebody that you would want to target. It's really easy for that audience to get super small, super quick though. So it's, you, you win some, you lose some in Facebook. Um, Um, I think the other thing that that
1: was personal, I didn't even touch like, the company level targeting you can do in LinkedIn. So, you know, you put in whatever company you work for and then, you know, whoever's running the media or the social media account, that company page for LinkedIn, like selects what type of industry you're in. Right. So do they select manufacturing or do they dive into like transportation, equipment, manufacturing, or machinery, manufacturing, or food and beverage manufacturing? And then do they dive even further and go automotive component manufacturing or aerospace component manufacturing or defensive space manufacturing? So There's a ton of stuff out there. And then with company level, you know, there's like employee size, revenue size. Um, What else is there for company? I think, is that it? I think that's it. But there's still like a ton of like, so you can do a lot of combinations, right? Where you're looking at a mechanical engineer at this type of company or this type of industry. Uh, So you can get get some really high fidelity style targeting within LinkedIn for B2B manufacturing. So we, we love LinkedIn for that just because it's, it, the out-of-the-box native targeting for LinkedIn is really good. But Aaron, there are some limitations to both LinkedIn and Facebook. So what do you see as like the primary limitations for both of those platforms?
0: Yeah, I think, well, Facebook, we already kind of talked about, right? Like it's just not set up for the yeah. super targeted, like B2B people i mean grace our strategy director always jokes that she still works at stake and shake according to facebook yeah. so very limiting there when you're doing native third party tools can help with that to apply some of the linkedin level targeting um which we might talk about a little bit later too but on linkedin i think some of the limitations are yes you have all of this data that is tends to be more accurate, but it's still people self-reporting. So you can't control how a company classifies themselves as an industry on LinkedIn. And sometimes the industry you're targeting is so specific. There's not a good label for it on LinkedIn. So people call themselves all different types of things, but they're all the company you want to work with. So sometimes a filter just doesn't exist for the, uh, the type of targeting you want to do on LinkedIn. Like one big one, for example, our clients ask us about a lot is, well, can you target for like a keyword of some sort? Like if somebody mentions um, like 3PL fulfillment, like that's what we want to reach. Well, we can't do that on LinkedIn.
1: You can maybe do that within a skiller group, right? So if somebody like identifies that as a skill that they have or mm-hmm. a group that's interested in that, you can look at that. Uh, maybe. That's a big maybe. I don't know if that stuff's out there for like really specific skills. I see a lot of issues with this on the company level stuff, right? Like the problem with manufacturing is a lot of companies do a lot of different things. And there's, I have two like examples of when this happened poorly for me. So one client of mine wanted to really specifically target foam manufacturers. The problem is foam manufacturers showed up in like four different industries. So they were in like plastics, they were in chemicals, they were in like artificial rubber, um, So they just showed up in a bunch of different ones. And then I had another one that was looking at foundries that do high volume casting. And so they showed up in automotive parts, aerospace parts. um, I think primary medical or primary metal fabrication and then mining for some reason, a lot of founders are showing up for mining. So I just like, it makes that really difficult. It's been taking me a long time to like nail down the targeting for them. Uh, I had some alternative ways I found targeting for them. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But yeah, Aaron, you're right. It's all just people self-reporting what they do. And you just kind of got to trust that. Um, The other limitation with with LinkedIn sometimes is some people have like really specific job titles, like even like us, like I think LinkedIn might have a difficult time putting you and me into the right job title, right? Because a senior strategist, you're a strategist. Like, what does that actually mean? Like, is there like a strategist job title that you can target on LinkedIn? I don't know, maybe. And we don't even like, I don't even say marketing in my job title. So I don't even know if it put me into marketing as a function either. Uh, I get a lot of like ads for like financial products and like HR yep. software. So I don't know what the deal is with all that. Um, so there's, there's some limitations there. Um, yeah.
0: I also think it's very limiting in terms of audience size, right? Like certain filters, I just know when I use that filter, it's going to shrink my audience to almost like an unusable size. Like, especially if it's a nice, like, I want a nice cold audience to build awareness at scale. And I, with the, with maybe I have the specificity and I've identified the right people, but it cuts down my audience size to like 10 K. And I'm like, well, it's because I know This skill, like say I'm targeting by skills, that's one I find is really limiting. They have that skill, but like not everyone who actually has that skill is putting it on their LinkedIn profile. So, yes, you're capturing the right people, you're also missing a ton of people that didn't self-report
1: that. Yeah. Totally.
0: So that's that's a good segue. When you are working with a client and they're describing the ideal audience. A lot of times, you know, you come in and you know exactly who you need to reach and you can say it in like three to four sentences and it's well-defined. How do you know, like what types of flags go up in your head that tell you, oh, this is, this might be a little bit challenging to actually build it in LinkedIn. Yeah.
1: Um, When they start to very in depth, describe who they're going after. and It's like we only want to target these very specific people with these very specific job titles and these specific industries, uh, with these like specific skill sets. That raises a flag that I'm gonna have a difficult time building an audience for that uh, for that company. Um, you know, if someone's like, oh, I want to target manufacturing engineers that manufacturing companies, that's hella easy. You know, that's like so easy. Um, But when you start like, yeah, we like serve a very specific audience that does this very specific thing that I know is going to be a challenge for me to build the audience with. And I might need to start looking at some alternative strategies uh, to building an audience for them. Or, you know, you kind of just like, I'm just going to make a a big audience or just have a lot of ad waste. I'm going to have to refine this thing over time. So it's like, do you want to like try to get the most thing right away? Or is it do you have the budget to kind of whittle down and be a little more general on LinkedIn? So what about you?
0: That's a good point. Sometimes you don't know until you run it. yeah, Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say, like, kind of similar. Like, I think it's really common if you target a subsect of an industry, um, or you are targeting um, cause a lot of Industrial companies are targeting other B2B companies, um, like other types of manufacturers that they provide products for. So if you are, you know, targeting, say, robotics, but you specifically want to target automation robotics companies that serve the food and beverage industry. Well, it's hard. It's really easy to target, you know, robotics companies. They're probably classified as industrial automation equipment. Right. but to get that level of focus, that's a lot harder to do. Right. So when you kind of get into those layers where you're like specializing in subsects, um, especially because you can't target by like a keyword. Yeah. Are you, are you or targeting industrial mentioned.
1: automation there or are you targeting food and beverage manufacturing? Or you're targeting exactly. just manufacturing, right? Like you're probably looking at having to add in a bunch of different types of industries that might not be the exact fit, but that are kind of related, right? They they make robots, so they're an industrial automation company, but then they say they serve only food and beverage, right? So then they classify themselves as a food and beverage manufacturing company. So it's like, yeah, that gets mm-hmm. that gets super weird in there.
0: <laughs> and meanwhile, when you target food and beverage manufacturing, you're also gonna get like Tyson chicken. Or yeah, something like that. Like, sheets, don't and, need to target
1: yeah, them. Yeah.
0: So that that is the dilemma that plagues us as industrial marketers. So I am curious, Brendan, what is your your basic approach? You're you're yeah. getting into LinkedIn, you're so excited to build an audience. Yep. What are you doing? Where do you start?
1: So this first starts with me a conversation with the client or if I'm in-house like a conversation with my sales and leadership team. I'm going to ask them what are the best deals that we've ever done, right? Like this company was like the most profitable for us. They were the easiest to work with. They gave us the less amount of grief. They closed quickly. um, And then they've been happy customers for us, you know, for X amount of time. Okay, so now I know like this is like my, this is the audience we're going after. I'm looking at like maybe three or four of those looking for the similarity. So yeah, I, I build out my audience to find more of the people that are really easy and really profitable for my company to work with. So it starts with a conversation. And then from there, I just take the those things and I look like, okay, so what were the companies and what were the job titles or who were we working with? Then I just go and try to replicate that. Um, one thing I'll say, the first thing is geography, you know, get into LinkedIn. I look at geography. I always turn it now to permanent location instead of permanent and recent. So I'm usually like, it's like permanent, like Canada and USA. All right. So now we have the geography laid out. Next, I'll typically look at industry, right? I want to make sure that I'm targeting the right industries. Um, this is a play I I'll like build an audience out and then I'll play around with exclusions and then I'll come back and redo it again. Like I I go through this exercise a bunch of times until I get to the place where I think it's right. But typically I'll start with the industries. So like, so Aaron, like with your, um, your, um, example of the robotics and food and beverage, I'd probably do something like industrial automation machinery plus food and beverage manufacturing. Um, I'll probably like stick with those two as my, like my industries. And then I'll look at, Um, then I'll probably hit apply and I'll just kind of see like where do the companies kind of set up inside of LinkedIn, right? So like, do we have a lot of companies that are 10,000 employees plus or like a billion dollars plus for revenue? So I'll look at some of that stuff and like, okay, so I know like this company probably needs to have some employees, right? So I'm going to get rid of the, you know, the companies that say myself or like two to 10 employees or, you know, less than, you know, like I have a client that sells really large pieces of uh, like machinery that do thermal processing. Well, you know, almost all the companies that they work with had a certain amount of revenue. Right. So like they're at $400 million and plus for revenue. So I got rid of like most of every, at least everybody below hundred million dollars. Right. So you can start like excluding like the companies that, you know, can't work with you and the companies, you know, you don't want to work with. Right. Like it's a bear to work with a company that has 10,000 plus employees, right. You're dealing with a huge enterprise account. Mm Uh, and they suck up a ton of budget, so a lot of times I'm, kind of mod- I'm automatically just like getting rid of them. I'll have a conversation with a client about this, but those companies are usually the first to go because they blow up your your audience size so much, and they make you know you force you have a ton of budget. Um, and then from there, I'll look at job t- or uh, I'll look at job things. I'm actually very low on job titles right now. I prefer targeting based on job function with a so I'll be like engineering as my job function, and then I'll look at seniority right so i'll usually select like senior manager vp uh c-suite and i think director level is what the ones are there sometimes maybe owner depending on the size of the company so i'll look at those things and then i'll, I'll usually add in some sort of skill right so like we know like we want manufacturing and process engineers so i'll just put a skill in for manufacturing and process engineering because they usually will include that in there so that's typically how i will go about it then i'll hit apply and look at like Here's all the job titles and job functions that are available to me. Here's all the, uh, and then the industries. Then so I'll just start doing a bunch of exclusions. So I work in the exclu- exclusions a lot to get rid of like, oh, I don't want mechanical engineers. I don't want electrical engineers. Uh, I don't want buyers. Um, they throw in a ton of like, you know, technicians and all that kind of stuff like pop in there. So make sure you like, I'm, I'm really, uh, really rabid about getting rid of job titles or job functions. Even like a lot of like, you know, you'll put an engineering that all of a sudden you have a bunch of like, it people showing up. It's like, what, why is LinkedIn doing that? So like I'll exclude out information technologies or whatever that stands for. Um, and that's, that's typically how i do it. So I'll do a little more broad on the include, and then I'll be very tight on excluding people uh, in exclusion. So that's typically how I go about it. What about you?
0: That's interesting. I, I just find exclusion so tedious. I probably spend maybe a little bit more time than I should chasing my tail trying to get the, um, it included criteria to be a good fit. I think I have the same approach to start, right? Work backwards from accounts that we know are a good fit. Mm-hmm. Look for the commonalities, um, the combo of industries and job functions. I agree with you on job titles. I think when we were talking about filters that really limit the size of your audience, job titles is another big one. Um, and but job, again, I think, sometimes- I
1: think The specific targeting of job titles increases your CPMs artificially. I think LinkedIn makes you pay for those. Whereas like a job function is like more general. And so the bid amount is less for, uh, for ads at job functions for whatever reason.
0: Yeah. Like the ideal world is if I can target an audience effectively by like industry, job function, and job seniority with like a handful of exclusions. Yeah. My second wave of defense is when I start getting into like skills and groups and i've even tried like areas of education Mm -hmm. um like certain degrees have um certifications if they're um targeting people that have like been through the trades um so that those are kind of like my my my, um not my first approach but maybe my
1: second i think Um, when you're like engineering to me is just so big though and there's so many times like where you don't need that type of engineer like a lot of times like I'll get like software engineering. Like I never want a software yeah. engineer. Um, uh,
0: sorry, software engineers.
1: Sorry. If you're listening to this <laughs> Um, you know, I don't need civic engineers, um, you know, and depending on the client, like I either need many mechanical engineers or that's what I'm targeting. Right. So I, I'm, it's either like mechanical or manufacturing. It's usually manufacturing and process together. Um, and then I'm looking at like mechanical and like project and product engineers you know, so it depends on the client, but like, so I I use skills to get me to the right type of engineer without using job titles.
0: Yeah. So do you ever find that like skills are overly limiting for your audience or how do you make sure they don't make it
1: too small? I think if you pick a, a more common skill, right? Like if you try to get down into like, um, oh, I don't even know an example, but like engineering is too broad of a skill, obviously, like I'm already targeting on job functions, but I feel like getting down that one layer to like, you know, what the job title would have been, right? Like, okay. So these three accounts, we we worked with a manufacturing engineer for all three of them. So it might make you want to go and talk to a manufacturing engineer. I don't want to do that now. I, I'm going to skills where I'm just typing in manufacturing engineering or manufacturing. Um, and that'll usually get me a large amount of people. Cause like a lot of people are going to put manufacturing engineering as their skill, if they're a manufacturing engineer. Um, like I think mm-hmm. one of my skills is marketing. Like that's pretty broad. Uh, but if you wanted to target a marketer, like that'd be a good way, I think, to go about it. So um, yeah, but yeah, you can get like super deep and then you get like five people. It's like, yeah, so you have to like, kind of just figure out what skills are out there and kind of just play around with it, I think.
0: Yeah, I-, I feel like we're already kind of veering into this territory, but like, are there any other sort of maybe lesser known filters or audience building tactics that have really helped you in the past? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, to me, it was just like that, um, that recent flip of, Going from job titles to job functions has been helpful. Um, I feel like I create a larger audience for myself that I can target at a less expense. So like using job functions, I think is important in LinkedIn. Um, and I, I still, I like using groups too. Um, it it kind of just like it rounds it out a little bit more, um, especially for more niche job titles. Uh, there's usually a group that will support that. You're not going to capture everyone, uh, but at least it feels mm-hmm. like you're capturing more of the audience if you hadn't used the groups. Um, and then, yeah, just like whittling away on company industries has been big, um, once you like get into building that out. So I don't know, I don't think there's any like magic bullet here, um, on these, you know, if your companies are there, they're going to be there. I think the more magic bullet stuff we are going to come later when we talk about, um, you know, building lists and other things that you can do. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I don't have much to add there too. I think the the skills and groups are maybe the ones that people don't think about as much yeah. that can be helpful. Um, but yeah, I agree there. I've definitely tried it and and failed. Yeah. Um, like it doesn't give me what I want. So it, yeah, exactly. No silver bullet. Um, we did talk about some third-party tools um, and I wanted to come back to that because a lot of this conversation is centered around LinkedIn, but what third-party tools have you used for Facebook yeah. How is it similar or different to targeting in LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, so we use metadata here. Um, it's a good, it's a good software from what I can tell. I have no idea how they actually get their data, um, but I've been using it in a couple of campaigns, and I'm been having success using metadata audiences. Um, one thing I love in metadata for niche audiences is targeting off of SIC codes, um, which you know. The company has to classify themselves. And that's like I, I think it's like, like a governmental uh classification. So uh I think it's a little easier to target in on what you're looking for, right? Like um if you're like so if you're trying to target a, a robot, like a robotics manufacturer that serves food and beverage, I think they have to put themselves as a robotics manufacturer. So it's a little easier to get to them, I think, than you know, on LinkedIn where they can classify themselves however they want. Um, I don't know how SIC codes are actually determined but um it seems like it's a little more scientific than you know just some <laughs> marketing coordinator picking it once they set up the linkedin company page. yeah um yeah and then metadata gives you like you can do is there a job function no there's not job function there. there's job title um you know geography industry um employee size revenue size and then you can do like job title exclusion yep and seniority yep
0: yeah i'd say like It is a little bit limiting because it doesn't have as many options as LinkedIn. So, for example, like there's no scales, areas of study, um, groups or anything like that. Targeting is not available. Um, It's definitely better than Facebook native targeting for B2B, but there's still different limitations. I think when I'm using a third party tool like that, my mindset is, okay. I want to cast a wider net because I know it's more targeted than what I would get natively but also I'm paying less to reach these people usually on Facebook. So it, it, it's worth it to cast a wider net and probably be catching more of the right people. Um, whether, Rather than LinkedIn, you know, you want it to be as tight as possible because your, your CPMs are probably like 50, $60. We're on um, Facebook. They're probably like $10. Right.
1: Exactly. Yep. Yeah. We like metadata. It's metadata is expensive. If you're like, you know, running your own marketing program for a, you know, small to mid-sized manufacturer, Metadata is probably not the move for you. And then I would probably say Facebook is not the move either. Um, unless you're just doing some sort of retargeting. Um, I just feel like you need the, uh, you need the tools that LinkedIn gives you natively to run programs through. Whereas like, yeah. What is Metadata like 24k a year or something? It's expensive. I think they
0: just rolled out some monthly pricing, but it's oh, still, yeah. I think a couple hundred bucks a month. Yeah. So
1: Oh okay, well, that's not as bad. Um but yeah, still still expensive, but maybe, you know, it's worth it for you if you like especially like if you're more like targeting an operator type person, um compared to, you know, like an engineer or business owner or purchasing. Um those people are more on LinkedIn from what I've seen. So
0: Do you mean Facebook?
1: Oh, the, yeah, the 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 operator type people are more on Facebook from what I've seen. Yeah.
0: Mhm. Um Another thing we already kind of alluded to is the magic of list uploads and the opportunity to be specific there. So that is an option in both LinkedIn and Facebook, I believe, is to upload a list of existing contacts or prospects that you have. Um, When do you make that decision? How do you determine if it's best to use a list upload or native targeting?
1: Yeah. Um, If I don't know, if I just it's kind of a gut feeling now I've, I've built so many audiences where like I can just tell, like, I'm not going to reach the people I need with native targeting. Like I, like I can't get the filters right to get me to a place or like, I just end up with like such a small number in native targeting. It's like, ah, I probably should just try something different to see if there's a better list or see if there's a better way with lists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I prefer co- company lists, right. Cause contacts can move. Right. So I like company lists more. Um, I think that, it just gives you a better opportunity to target more people within the company than just doing a big contact list. And I, the nice thing about lists too with manufacturers is we're already getting lists from a lot of different places, right? Like I think a lot of you have access to like trade journals and and um, industry associations and that sort of thing. Like you can buy lists from those types of companies. And, you know, if you have a very specific one that like, yep, we're in, uh, like when I was at Graco, you know, it was a lot of like pumps. And so there was a magazine called Pumps and Systems. Like I could have just bought the list of the subscribers to that magazine and then use that to build my audience in LinkedIn, right? I don't know how much a list car costs, but you know, a thousand bucks, like it might be worth it. Uh, if it's an exact targeted list. Um, the other option too, this is what I've been doing <laughs> and it's like, it feels like I'm brute forcing list building. Um, so it was for my the company that does uh, that serves the foundry industry, I just went on Thomasnet and you know a company gets they they put themselves out there for exactly what they do. So I was looking for high volume casting, so I just typed high volume casting into the search bar and it gave me a list of like 400 companies. The problem is you can't export that list out of Thomasnet. Uh, So I just manually put all that into an actual spreadsheet by myself. I put on some metal music and I just uh, sat in a spreadsheet all afternoon and filled that thing out. But now I feel like I have a really strong, uh, strong audience now because I'm targeting the exact type of foundry that my client is going for. So yeah, lists are great. And then the cool thing with lists in in LinkedIn, is like you take the list, you put it in there, then you can add in native targeting on top of it. Right. So then I can go Mm say, I want to target these 500 companies. And I only want to talk to engineers and, you know, owners and I want to talk to purchasing, but I don't want to talk to IT or HR or administrative folks. Um, I can put in the seniorities, you can put in skills if you want. Um, So you can still do all the native targeting in LinkedIn plus or have that be an addition to the list, which I think is cool.
0: Yeah, exactly. And a lot of industrial companies we'll have a sales team that has a list of prospects that are top of mind. So even if that's only like 100 companies, I bet you could expand on that really easily, get that nice like 400 500 company range um yeah. and use that to kind of kind of go from there. Um I was going to ask next how do you build these lists? You you mentioned the brute force option. Yeah. Any other ways?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, like I said earlier, purchasing it from another um, reputable source um, is a good way to do it. Otherwise, like you probably have been doing trade shows for like 20 years. Uh, just take That's a look at all your badge scans uh, for every show you've ever done and just create a company list based off that. All uh, right. Maybe you can buy I think you can buy a list from some trade shows to uh, all the companies that have attended. Uh, yeah. So I would just look at like and then. Yeah. Has your sales team been building out a big list of companies that they've either talked to or worked with? Um, maybe talk to your distributors. Uh, yeah.
0: Your CRM.
1: Yep, exactly. I do. So the yellow pages. With, with, yes.
0: Yeah. With, with talk of buying lists, I want to make a quick disclaimer because I feel like the idea of buying lists and like, like Zoom info and those types of tools are kind of heated, right? Because... Yeah a lot of people see it as like creepy or intrusive what we're talking about here is using it to build a specific audience to deliver people content in their like linkedin or facebook feeds in a non-intrusive way yeah. i don't think we're advocating for using these for like really aggressive like email drip campaigns or um cold oh, prospecting oh, yeah
1: yeah we are yeah. not for that we like the, i like this motion with lists for digital demand generation Right, like you're delivering mm-hmm. high quality content in the feed that they're already spending time on.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: Where else do you get? You already
0: kind of touched. Oh well, there's a tool I've been using recently. That sounds like I'm like jumping into an ad, but this actually is a tool that I found helpful recently. Um, and the free version of it is actually um really great it's not uh, sometimes these tools are like super limiting when you just have the free version but you can learn a lot it's called apollo.io i've built some really good targeted um company lists that um have been promising and what i like most about it is it has the ability to do some like keyword targeting based on um what their tags are on social media or like kind of what they're mentioning in their profiles And I find that that's pretty accurate, especially if um, your tags are specific enough. So, for example, like machine learning is really broad, like Microsoft does machine learning. But if you're looking specifically for like a robotics company, well, if you say the word cobots, Microsoft is not tagging that on their social media. So if you're really strategic about the keywords you use, that can help you be really targeted. And then... It has all the filters that like LinkedIn would have, um, and even some beyond that, like mm-hmm. company um, size and job titles and all that good stuff. So I like that. the The trick is when you need to export stuff, it's worthwhile to have a, a paid subscription. But you can at least test proof of concept really yeah. well with a, a free yeah. account.
1: Um, I've used DNB Hoovers in the past. Like, there's a lot of places to, to build a, a a decent list from. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, like so. Like you can brute force it with Thomasnet. I think you can export from DNB, but that is, can get expensive. Zoom Info, um, Apollo. There was one other one that we were talking about in Slack. Peyton mentioned it. I don't remember what it was called now. I think that was Apollo. Was it Apollo? Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I think with a but- if you're doing lists for Facebook, I think you still need a tool like Metadata to upload because like a lot of those are yeah. based off of people's um you know business emails. My Facebook's tied to my personal email, not my gorilla email, uh, right? So like, you're not going to find me um, on Facebook unless you are, have a third party tool that can you know, correlate my work email to my personal email. So if you're doing Facebook, you're probably, or Instagram, you're probably going to need to use some sort of tool like metadata, Um, but Facebook or LinkedIn is nice because most people, like, I think my, um, I, I have my company email set up on LinkedIn, I think. And But it's at least tied to my profile. So um, it's really easy for you to just use your, your list with LinkedIn native targeting. And it's, I think that's a super powerful way to get a really nice, tight, targeted audience.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. And you already touched on earlier your preference for a company list over a contact list. Mm-hmm. Is there ever a time you recommend somebody target based off a contact list?
1: I mean, maybe if you're doing like a retention play. Right, like maybe someone that's already a customer or someone that has been a customer and maybe has fallen off. You know, I think like a lot of times in industrial, like it's, it can be a thing where it's like they buy a piece of equipment, but they don't ever follow up. Um, Or they may not, you know, it's not like a recurring revenue model like uh, with SaaS usually. So you can get them into like a retention play or upselling play or maybe like even a maintenance play, you know, kind of similar to how you would run an email campaign to um, current or prospective customers. Um, you could do the same thing with ads and LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. That's uh I call that manual retargeting. Should yeah. do that on the gorilla account. Um, because those people may or may not be actually visiting your website, but mm-hmm. you've identified you want to retarget them because you've engaged with them. They're already kind of warm. Yeah. Um, so Even that's in that instance, I I think a do. company
1: list there still makes sense, right? Even if it's not the exact person, yeah. like probably some other people in the company mm-hmm. that could benefit from what you do.
0: Oh yeah,
1: because if like if um, somebody came here, came to you and filled out a demo or get a quote or a contact us form, and they didn't move forward with you, they've kind of self-identified that for the most part, like you probably make sense for them at some level. Maybe not for their exact use case, but maybe somebody else in the company could use it. So yeah, that'd be a great place to I think to uh, to use a, a company or contact list for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What do you think are some of the limitations of using a list for audience building?
1: They are not comprehensive, right? Like are you gonna build a list that includes every single company that does that thing? I mean, maybe, maybe maybe not. (laughs) Like, there there are a lot of companies out there. So um, it's kind of up to like, are you, you're probably not, so you're probably not going to target everyone that is in the total addressable market um, with a list tool. But it's also like, you're probably not going to do that with LinkedIn anyways. Um, Not every company is on LinkedIn or has a presence on LinkedIn that they're going to see you or they have employees that are engaging on LinkedIn. So there's pros and cons to each of them. Um, I just don't think that you're going to comprehensively go after the entire uh, TAM uh, with either a list or native LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. It's also with a list, it's not going to update automatically. Yeah. You probably want to be refreshing that every, especially if it's a contact list, probably every six months. Right. Um, but a company list maybe yearly. Yeah. Um, and, and a list is also, it's, you could have a list of 500 companies or, you know, thousands of contacts. You have to rely on um, LinkedIn or, or Facebook to actually match those profiles yeah. too. Sometimes the match rates aren't super great.
1: Yeah, and then if your match if you have what is it less than three hundred contacts, the audience won't work, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, for a contact list, I'm not sure about co- company. But I think the but, company list
1: still has to create three hundred contacts for the list to work.
0: Yes. Yeah, the, the list has to be big. I think right. is the limitation too. So, cool. Um, well, I want to take a little break here. Do a little mid roll plug. Um, we're super excited to be teaming up with True Marketing and Kadena's Part Solutions to put on the Industrial Marketing Summit. Uh, this event will be basically like a live in person version of this podcast industrial marketers getting together, talking marketing, learning, keynote speakers, workshops, all that good stuff. Brendan, so anything nice. to add?
1: Yes, but we're like, it's in Austin. I think it's at a brewery. Uh, so there's going to be beer. There's going to be probably good tacos. Uh, right. So, like, it's going to be fun. Like, we're going to have a good time.
0: Yeah. And it, it is happening January 31st through February 2nd in 2024, Austin, Texas. Uh, there are only 300 seats, though. So, visit industrialmarketingsummit.com to learn more, reserve your ticket, stay in the know.
1: Yeah. So, we'll see you early 2024. It's going to be a good time
0: uh oh yeah we're excited um cool well i guess we'll just jump back into boring old audience building yeah. then. Uh,
1: <laughs> actually i will say like this is one of uh, the favorite things about what we do i love like just building audiences it's a lot of fun um you know it gets your brain working it's weirdly like creative and meditative i think
0: <laughs> yeah it's kind of like a puzzle like you're kind yeah, of like figuring out this like logic yeah. puzzle um One thing that doesn't require puzzling, though, is building a retargeting audience, which if a list is failing you, if native targeting is failing you, I think this is a good option to reach at least some more qualified people. So what are your options, Brendan, for retargeting?
1: Yeah, so retargeting is different than cold, right? Cold is... People typically that don't maybe don't know who you are, right? And have, have no brand awareness for your company. Some of them might, you know, there might be some companies in the list that you've built on the cold side or on the audience you built on the cold side that know who you are, but a lot of them don't. Retarget those different because they have at least interacted with you in some way. So we usually use build a retargeting audience based on the first thing is website business, right? Somebody that has come to your website and then has fired either the LinkedIn insight tag or the Facebook pixel or whatever other website pixel you're using, um, you know, so that cookie has been attached and they've been identified as visiting your website. So, and then LinkedIn's cool because you can say like, I wanna target people that are, you know, have been to my website in the last 30 days, right? For like a super high intent or for more awareness type one, maybe you go 90 or 180 days in the past, right? So like they visited in the last three to six months. Uh, so there's a website. Um, On LinkedIn, you get the option for anybody that's visited your company page. So, you know, they've gone to your LinkedIn organic page and seen a post, right? Seeing you guys talking about your company picnic in the summer times, all those good things. Um, The next one is engagement with a single image ad, right? So like if you're already running a LinkedIn campaign to a cold audience, uh, you can target people that have done some sort of engagement, right? Click somewhere in the ad whether they go to your uh, go back to your website through the link or they comment or they react, or they hit the see more button, or they hit your company page button Uh, those people get triggered into that audience for single image ads. You can do video retargeting, right? So people that have seen either 25, 50, 75, or hundred percent of your videos. Um, Facebook's a little different. Facebook doesn't have like a ad engagement, but they have a post or a a page, there's a page engagement, I think. Uh, so if they've interacted with any of your company page posts, they uh, they'll get put into retargeting, and that, those posts can either be organic or paid. Um, and so basically, like it's basically someone that has raised their hand and said, "Oh, um, I, I like this content," or "I want to engage with this brand." They get put into this retargeting audience, and then you can you know have a more tight audience to that, or more tight targeting to that audience uh, based on people that have interacted with you. Then what's nice in LinkedIn. You can put all the same filters on, right? So you're not targeting everybody that's been to your website. I only want to target engineers and manufacturing that have been to my website in the last, you know, 60 days or whatever time frame you pick. So LinkedIn's cool because you always, you basically always get those native, uh, native choices to add on to retargeting or to lists that you have built. Um, yeah, we love retargeting. Uh, it's just a great way for you to um, deliver content to people with a smaller budget because it's usually a smaller audience. Um, did I miss anything on that?
0: No, no. I think what I was going to ask next was about the limitations of retargeting. Because obviously, like, people who have engaged with you on your website or online already, like, they have some interest. They're probably more qualified than, you know, darts throw in the dark, cold yeah. audience, something like that. So, but what are the the limitations?
1: The biggest limitation that I've seen with retargeting is it is expensive right? Like I, I see CPMs in like the 150 to $220 range for CPMs on mm-hmm. retargeting. Uh, it's way better on Facebook, but it's still higher than it is on the cold side. So you're going to pay uh, to send ads to these folks, but they are highly engaged with your brand, uh, which makes them a very uh, interesting group of people to send ads to.
0: Yeah. And I think... Part of the reason CPMs are so high is because retargeting audiences, especially for industrial companies, tend to be really small. Yeah. So sometimes you just don't have enough website traffic to support a retargeting audience. Um, then I think that manual retargeting that we talked about, like a company list, is yeah. a really good option. Um are there any common mistakes you see marketers make when building an audience, either, you know, through a list? Native targeting or retargeting. Yeah.
1: I think thinking that they're going to build a massive list or a massive audience is the biggest thing, right? Like because like oh, I want to make sure I capture everyone, so I'm going to build this really big list. But it's like, man, you're going to pay a lot of money to and have a lot of ad waste. I think if you if you're trying to target a niche audience with a pay with you know with LinkedIn native targeting, so just find a way. I think find ways to like really like cut out the the chaff and only target the the right people. Um, and then I think just making the wrong, like make, making the wrong selections sometimes or not, like maybe, th- like maybe going too niche on things and not think about like, how are things related, right? So like going back to your example with, with robots and food and beverage, like definitely pick industrial automation because those are robotic companies, but really think, like, yeah, you might need to add in food and beverage and then do some exclusions to get rid of like the food companies. Um, like you just, and I think another thing too is like not like looking up the companies that you want that you have worked with in the past on LinkedIn and seeing like how they're classifying themselves. Yep. Like with the, with the founder audience, one thing I noticed is like, Oh yeah, I looked at like, I think 10 different customers of my client and there was like three or four different industries than those 10. So I was like, Oh crap, this is going to be difficult because they all classify themselves differently. So not doing like not doing any research prior to is probably the biggest one. And then, yeah, just either like making it way too big or way too small for like what you're trying to do. Um, I think those are probably some of the main mistakes that I've seen made. What about you? Have you noticed yeah. any?
0: I would add um, like assuming your audience is perfect after you've built it, oh, right? Yeah. Like we yes. we focus a lot of our conversation on building the audience, but I think the biggest you can, mistake you can make is to just set it and forget it. Yeah. Um, because like you said, there's a lot of, tweaks that happen once you see performance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. You want to be in there and refining the thing all the time. Um, and I, I look at it both from, you know, the targeting side. And then I also look at it from the budgeting side, right? Like I'll usually make a guess. Like I'll say like, I think we'll have CPMs of $60 on LinkedIn. and I'll base my budget off of that. And like, and based on like the reach too, but you want to go in like probably 30 days later and look, what were my real CPMs to hit this audience? And then what was my real reach percentage, right? Like, cause LinkedIn is going to say your audience has 90,000 people strong, but it's, you know, 80% of those people didn't go to LinkedIn that month, right? So your real reach is only 20%, right? So if you have an audience the size of hundred K, you only reached 20% of those. So 20,000 people. And then you're C- like, if your CPMs are way higher or way lower than you thought, your frequency is going to be all over the place. So I like, make sure you go in like a month later and just, just kind of see like, where your assumptions correct or not with your budget and your audience and then go back and refine and then jump in like and then not going to the demographics report. Like this is how you like, you know, click on the campaign, hit demographics, then look at what job titles and job functions and industries mm-hmm. interacted with your ads or saw your ads or clicked on your ads. Um and then you know eliminate the ones that don't make sense for your business. Um not doing that is a big mistake because you were like you're just throwing money away.
0: Exactly. I want to end, we're kind of wrapping up here. I want to end with maybe a controversial question. Mm. Are there any cases where an audience is too niche Mm -hmm. to be reached on paid social and paid social just isn't a good idea?
1: I don't, I don't think so. I think there's bad ways to approach campaign structures for those types of audiences. Um, but I think it's always worth it to try out a paid social mo- motion. You might; I, I, it's okay if you disagree with that. Um, even if you have a really small audience, I th- you know, as long as it's more than three hundred people, you can target them on LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think that is still I think it's still worth it. But I would just say like you know when you have a really big audience, I like to do like you know one campaign and then try to get them into retargeting to really limit like my budget. But you can't do that when you have a really small audience, right? Because you know, getting a frequency of three in a cold campaign is probably not enough or four. Like you probably need to like bump or or run multiple campaigns with, you know, frequency of three to four. So they see your ads, you know, 12 to 15. Like, I guess what I'm saying is like, if you have a small audience, you probably have to do more cold targeting than you do retargeting. Um, so if you just, if you, don't create the right structure. You're not going to hit them effectively. And then you're going to waste some money too. So I think that's the thing is like, if you have a bad campaign structure with a niche audience, that's a recipe for disaster. But if the right campaign structure, I think it's still okay to go for a really small niche audience. You probably just just know you're probably going to pay for that, right? LinkedIn, like you're not going to see a CPM of $40, right? You're probably going to see a CPM of like $90. So just be aware that, that you're probably going to pay for that. So I, I think that's what I would say there.
0: Yeah. I would agree. It's always, it's always worth the shot. Um, When you're testing it out though, are there any red flags that tell you like, gosh, we're we're just, this audience isn't working out on paid social.
1: Yeah. So this can be like a two-part problem. So either I think the audience targeting wasn't right. And you know, you typically see like, they just aren't going to engage with your ads. I'm not expecting to see conversions right away. And honestly, like I'm probably not expecting to see a ton of conversions just natively in the platform anyways, but I expect to see engagement with my ads. So if people aren't clicking on them, um, if they aren't, you know, reacting or commenting or clicking into my, my link to go to my website, I probably have one of two problems. I either have a bad audience, right? The audience is not the right fit for what I'm what with my message. Right. Or mm-hmm. I have the right audience and my message is way off or my creative is way off. Um, so, I think I would start looking at the demographics report and see who is actually like seeing the ads and then who's clicking on the ads. Um, If all those like look bright, you have a bad creative and you need to go back to the drawing board Mm -hmm. and either relook at your positioning, relook at your messaging or relook at, you know, your approach to creative uh, like images or video. Um, I think, I think that's, those would be the red flags. Just like I'm just getting poor engagement on my ads. What other yeah. red flags do you see out there?
0: I think if CPMS are super high, like yeah. two hundred dollars plus, yeah, tells me there's some type of alignment. Um, if, and also, if my if reach you have is a reasonable,
1: CPM audience size, right? Like, if your audience is like fifty thousand dollar or fifty thousand people, and then your CPMS are like one hundred fifty to two hundred dollars, you're probably way off on how you're targeting.
0: Yeah, yeah. But if your audience is 5,000 um, people, you're probably going to pay for
1: you know you're probably going to pay something in that range for CPMS.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it 200 plus CPMs is not always a crazy red flag, but it can be. And the other thing I was going to say is reach. Like, mm. if I think I've built such a great audience. It's like a 100K person audience. Um, But I realize I'm only reaching like 10% of them. That might tell me like, gosh, maybe this audience is not active yeah, on LinkedIn. Point, yeah. I need to try another platform or I need to try something like different entirely to reach yeah. them.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But you you won't know that unless you run the campaign. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like yeah. yeah, run it for a quarter and see what your reach percentage and your CPMs are, and then you make the determination from there that LinkedIn might not be the thing. You have to go to Facebook.
0: Yeah, exactly. Always worth a shot. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta pivot. Cool. Well, we've talked about a lot revolving around yeah. tricky audience building today. I uh, talked about, you know, the types of targeting that's available, what the limitations of them are, kind of our personal approaches, and maybe where we differ a little bit in audience building. Um, talked a bit about lists, retargeting, and some common mistakes that we ourselves have made and we've seen other marketers make when when building an audience. Um, Brendan, do you have any parting tips or, or thoughts on this topic?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um the audience you have is not set in stone so just ex- like take a a good chunk of time and just experiment and play around with different combinations of filters that you can use um and keep playing around with it and you know work on exclusions and inclusions and you know and just refine that thing down to where you get like we we aren't starting with a piece of marble and then like we're ending up with a stone right like we can just scrap like if nothing worked just scrap it and try something else um I, yeah, so I would just like get in there and play around and experiment with this thing. Um, and then if you have other questions or need help, reach out to us. Like me and Aaron are in IML Slack and on LinkedIn and our DMs all the time. So if you need help with an audience build, reach out to us. We can definitely help you with that. So don't try to do this thing on your own. Yeah. Like me and Aaron have bounced ideas off of audiences uh the whole time that Aaron's been working here. Uh, you know, we talk about audience <laughs> building all the time. So um don't try to build in the silo because you might not you know, someone else might have some ideas. We definitely have ideas. So please reach out to us and we'll help you. What about you, Aaron? What, yeah. what is your main takeaway?
0: Similar to your advice of bouncing ideas off of other marketers. I found it really helpful to talk to your internal um, subject matter experts, like yes. a product owner or something who's like in it with customer sales is great to talk to yes. too. Because as much as you know, as marketer and you know a lot, sometimes those other people just have a different perspective and they can help you make that audience a lot better. Yeah.
1: Especially like on LinkedIn, when you're talking about skills, like if you're trying to look for some really niche skills, like what, what was the one you said earlier, like 3PL? It's like, you know, if you're like, yeah, partner, 3PL like is how would you, how would you know about some of that weird industry language um, without talking to folks? So like have a conversation with your sales team or the product team and just add like, you know, based on your experience, what things would like, what types of computer systems would they be working on or what types of other machinery yep. would they be working on? Right. Like you can like kind of create, like, I don't want to say persona, but you can kind of create this, um, this character build, like you would like in D and D, right. Like where you can like build out your skills, like, but just talk to people um, and just figure like what other, like maybe weird things would be related to what they're doing with our product. Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, I think that's a good stopping point. Yeah. Just kind of leave you with some, some parting announcements, thoughts. Brendan mentioned IML, stands for Industrial Marketing Live. Um, that is our twice-monthly uh, live virtual event, first and third, Thursday of the month at 10 a.m. Central. So if you're not already registered for that, come join us. It's a lot of marketers collaborating, just like we do on this show there's also a Slack channel that's part of that. So people message, you know, throughout the month and between episodes. Um, and one more plug for the Industrial Marketing Summit. It's in Austin, January. The Gorilla76 Strategists will be hosting a reporting workshop um, and you know, talk about creating visuals and dashboards to help you share your marketing results with your leadership. So tickets for that particular workshop go on sale September 5th. I don't know if that'll be before or after. That, that is episode in the comes past. Out.
1: So yeah, that's like two days in the past. They are so
0: better, out. Better
1: get on it because those tickets are going to go fast.
0: <laughs> good apple Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, Brendan. This was fun. Yeah,
1: That was a good one. Good topic, Aaron. This was a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. All
1: right, thanks rock. everyone. Bye.